Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. You guys, I'm so excited to share active skin repair with y'all. I started using this product a few months ago with my family and it has replaced so many different products in my medicine cabinet. We are always looking for more natural, non-toxic solutions and active skin repair replaces neosporin and ointment um, and all kinds of things. And it really can be used for so much. It can be used for minor wounds, cuts, burns, chafing, rashes, insect bites, really any skin irritation. I even have been using it for diaper rash and irritation recently, and it's amazing. And the great thing about it is that it is non-toxic, it's antibiotic-free, and it doesn't sting. So it's safe to use around the head, the eyes, the mouth, and the ears, and it really works. So you can go to bldgactive.com and use the code Taylor to save 10% off of your order and get free shipping. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Um, I'm so excited. Today, we have Trisha with us to share her journey with sleep with her two kiddos. So hi, Trisha. Welcome. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your kiddos. Hi, I am Trisha, and I have two kids right now. I have a two-month little boy, and I have a four-year-old little girl. Oh, wonderful. A new little one. And I see your new little one right here. Yeah. Nobody yeah. else will, who is listening can see because I don't post the videos, but he he or she? He. He is a cutie just from the top of his head. I can see yes. it. He is asleep right now. He's wrapped oh, on me. So that the way best. he'll sleep through this whole, whole thing. Baby snuggles. So Trisha, why don't you just go ahead and share your journey with sleep with us? Probably starting with your, your four-year-old. So with my four-year-old, we had kind of a un, we had a, our birth didn't go as planned. And so we went to the birthing center and I was in labor and then she had an irregular heartbeat. So we were transferred to the hospital and I had to deliver there, um, kind of rushed. And it was kind of a pretty hectic birth, like when you have to transfer Um, And that was kind of like my first experience with her sleeping, obviously, when she's first born. So when she was with us in the hospital, she was sleeping on either my chest or my husband's chest. And we had uh, multiple people comment in there and say, hey, like the baby needs to sleep in the bassinet. The baby is not safe for the baby to be sleeping on your chest. Um, The baby could roll off of you. 
And I was like, no, like this is what we're going to be doing. The baby is right here. She's happy here. She's not going to roll off of us. Um, and we had someone come in and tell us like, hey, like I don't have a problem with it, but if a doctor comes and sees, like they might tell you, you can't do that. Um, and so that was my first experience with someone making a comment about her sleep, literally as soon as she was born. Wow. And that's so interesting that you bring up the hospital piece because I remember the same thing when I had my daughter in the hospital. Like the first night I think was fine because they she slept. But then after that, the next, I think two nights I was there after that, she would not sleep except for being right next to me in the bed. And they kept telling me, put her in the bassinet. And I just couldn't. And we didn't get any sleep that night because I kept trying to put her in the bassinet. So I love that you, it seems like you already had that, like you were already in tune with your intuition and saying, no, yeah. like she stays with me. Yes. This is where she belongs. I love that. Yeah. And that was um, super new for my husband too, because he hadn't really been around babies. I um, went to school for early childhood. So I do have my degree in early childhood education. Um, and he had no experience with that. So he was a little bit freaked out with people telling us that and I remember like reassuring him like she's not gonna roll off of you like you're not asleep you're holding her on your chest and you're resting I was like and when I'm holding her like I know like she is going to be fine right here and we actually ended up transferring out of the hospital within 12 hours because um our birth center was our first provider so they were coming to our house the next morning um, so we only need to spend one night there. And I remember demanding that evening that they discharge us because I wanted to be home with my baby. And when we got home, we had a bassinet next to the bed and um, she slept with me too. So we kind of did, um, we did both of those at the same time. And uh, we followed like the safe or the safe sleep, the seven, I think it's called the safe sleep seven. Yes, um, safe sleep seven. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it went relatively smoothly. Like I was exclusively breastfeeding. So to have her right next to the bed or in the bed, um, pretty consistently was just made sense for us and worked really great for us and our schedule. My husband was currently working evenings. So when he would come home at midnight, he would usually um, be up with her for a little bit and then pass her back off from to me for the rest of the night. Uh, when we got around, I want to say like around six months was when she had gotten big enough to transition kind of out of the bassinet and into a crib. And so the way our room was set up was we had like our room was in this or our bed was in this big area. And then there was like kind of two little bedrooms like directly attached to us. So we had her crib in there and for the next couple months, I remember I would breastfeed her and put her down um, in the crib. And then when she would wake up in the middle of the night, I would either go breastfeed her and then bring her back, bring her to our bed. Or um, if she did transition back into the crib, then we did that. Um, around nine months was when my husband's kind of evening job, he switched to a day's job. So it kind of became more of a priority for us to have our evenings available and to have her like kind of on like a, a more consistent schedule. I feel like she kind of created her own schedule um, based around like what we were doing. And then we started kind of doing like a consistent like bedtime routine and putting her down um, 
around nine months. And this is where we kind of started to sleep train. And for us, that was the normal, like sleep training until I really got into the gentle parenting community, like sleep training was just normal in my head. Like that is what you do. Like you put your baby down, like whether they're asleep or awake. And then if they cry for a little bit, um, then you pick them up and then you put them down, but trying to like push her like sleeping in the crib um, and going to sleep in there, um, like laying her down, like sleepy, but not fully asleep. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that way she could, she would fall asleep without any assistance. And I remember like being in the other room and hearing her cry a couple of times. And I was like, this is not working. Like, this is not it. Like, I don't want her to think that I'm not going to respond to her crying. Like, that's the whole point of her crying in my head is like, you, she's crying because she needs something. She wants something. She desires something and it's not there. And she's a baby. So that all comes back onto me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all on me. I'm the one who's supposed to be fulfilling all of that. Um, Trisha, were you using a specific like sleep training program or like a method? No, not at all. Um, I guess like putting down like sleepy and drowsy and then like kind of timing, I guess like timing cries. Like mm-hmm. if she cried for like one minute, like go in and get mm-hmm. her. To kind of gradually um, increase the goal would be to gradually increase the um amount of time that she's crying yeah like gradual extinction if i would have done that because we stopped relatively quickly so i don't I, I never like looked into any like specific method or whatever i just kind of was like okay she's gonna cry for a little bit and then she'll go to sleep um if we would have had to like increase the amount of time she was, I mean, we, we never would have got to that because it didn't feel right. Like I never could have sat there and like sat outside her door while she cried for 15 minutes or then 20 minutes. Um, right. I, I would have that. I couldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. So I know that we transitioned, like, I, I remember talking to my husband and being like, Hey, look, like this isn't working. I'm, I don't like this. Um, I don't know what we're doing. Um, I guess not necessarily wrong, but kind of wrong. Like what I don't want her crying. If she's in her bed, I don't want her crying by herself. Like that to me doesn't feel right. Um, and then from there, we just went to, um, consistently putting her to bed asleep. So whether one of us would rock her to sleep, um, I would nurse her to sleep. I know that probably by 10 months, she stopped like actually nursing to sleep. She would nurse at night um, and then rock and then like nurse and rock. Um, But she wasn't necessarily falling asleep like on the nipple as she was when she was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then we just started assisting her to sleep every single night. Uh, And I remember the, the hardest transition was transitioning out of the out of the crib because we had a pretty good routine where we would either like rock or we were essentially rocking her to sleep either rocking or walking her to sleep every night and then when she would fall asleep we would lay her down in her crib and she for the most part would sleep most of the night unless she woke up like once or twice and I would go in there at that point I would go in there and nurse her and then um and then I would So we ended up moving 
houses and the house we were at was big enough for her to have a, a large crib and she would sleep in that and then we transitioned to a place that her crib would no longer fit and she was pretty much at this point too big for a porta crib which would mm -hmm. have fit um i want to say that she was almost two and so we transitioned her to a bed um, with a kind of bar on it. it. The bed was like up against like three corner, or it was it was closed off on a wall on three sides. And so then we put a bar up on the other side so that way she couldn't roll out. Um, and I remember that tr transition being really difficult. And all of a sudden she started um, waking up multiple times a night. Um, and throughout that, like, I just remember um, being really frustrated, like with, <laughs> with sleep and like, okay, like we're up now multiple times a night. At that point, she was no longer breastfeeding. So it was all um, assistance through like cuddles, rocking, um, things that would take more time. Whereas when she had woken up before in the past, um, she would breastfeed. I would just nurse and usually go right back to sleep. I could lay her down back, no problem. Mm -hmm. uh, we weren't doing any sort of bed sharing at this time. For her to come into the bed, she would she would not sleep. <laughs> she would stay awake or if she woke up in the middle of the night, she would just want to play with us. So it just worked better for her to have her own space. And so this all really fell on me at this time too. I feel like she developed a really strong attachment to me assisting her um, because I was I was the primary one to come in there all the time and so she wouldn't let her dad help her um, or would it or it would take much longer so I would just be like oh let me do it like if it's going to take 30 minutes for you to do it or 15 minutes for me like we we're mm -hmm. both going to get more sleep if I would just go in there and do it right. um, and so we did that consistently um where we would um, put her to bed and she would, she would fall asleep on her, um, without any assistance. We would tuck her into bed and she didn't have a problem falling asleep and then she would wake up and then we would go back and assist her to go back to sleep. And then I wanna say about two and a half is when she really put up a fight at bedtime and she no longer wanted to fall asleep by herself. She no longer wanted to be in the room alone by herself. Um, and I remember like starting this, like, it's like, oh my gosh, like your child who's like went to bed like so easily is now all of a sudden not going to bed. And I'm like, what is going on? And my first reaction was, okay, like, let's just like close the door. And like, she's just gonna be in there. Like a lot of the times she wouldn't cry. Um, and then when she did, we would go in there and then I was like, okay, I don't like having the door closed. Like that was another conversation I remember having with my husband. Like she is like being very vocal that she does not want the door closed. And yet here we are like closing the door because, because of why? Like what, I was, I was like, really like, what is that reason? Like, is it because like, we think she'll fall asleep faster? Is it this um, thing when it comes to like, our time like am I am I just choosing that my evening time 
that I, that extra 30 at the at about 30 minutes is more important than me going in there and laying down with her or rocking her to sleep. And so we kind of put a like a complete hold on anything like that. And I was like, yeah. we're just gonna go through it and play like every night by night, we're just gonna play it by ear. And sometimes she wanted to rock. Sometimes she wanted to lay in the bed and have us rock in the room. Um, sometimes she wanted us to lay down next to her uh, and we let her communicate that to us. She was very vocal, like my daughter talks and is very vocal and has no problem communicating her needs. She never has. She's always communicated exactly what she wants, exactly what she needs. Um, and it was really on us to take the time to listen to that and to understand like why we should be listening to that. And then also to get on the same page as a couple to be like, hey, like this is what we wanna do. Like we want to be responding to our daughter. I don't want her to sit in there and call for me and not think I'm gonna come. I don't want to make these assumptions about her that like, oh, she's not really scared in her room by herself. She's just saying that or assuming that, oh yeah, like she can, she can go to sleep by herself. I know she can, but that doesn't mean that her asking for our assistance was a bad thing like it was like to change like the whole mindset of what is what is bad I guess like what again you with when you talk about adding in sleep associations or assisting an older toddler to sleep like it's been so much has been portrayed as like oh that's bad like you should be able to have your whole evening free with your husband as soon as you tuck your child into bed and like right. that wasn't the case with our family and it wasn't going to be the case and I didn't want it to be yeah I love that Trisha and you know the thing with this too is that there's this idea that when a child, a baby or a child, it doesn't really matter the age, when they need assistance to fall asleep, it's truly just about needing assistance for sleep. So it's like if your child has demonstrated in the past that they can put themselves to sleep independently, and now all of a sudden they're needing support, I think what we need to understand is that it's not just about needing help to get to sleep. Like you said, why is she needing help to get to sleep? For most toddlers, really for most children, it's not about needing help to get to sleep. It's about the fear and the threat of separation from us. So it's more about asking for and wanting that connection and closeness with their parents rather than just needing help to get to sleep. So it's really about so much more than just a skill. You know, I say quote unquote, a skill because sleep is not a skill, um, but some people, some, you know, conventional sleep trainers will talk about learning to fall asleep independently as a skill. And I just disagree with that. I think, I think, I mean, yes, maybe it can be a skill of the skill of self-regulation, but that comes with a lot of time. So it's totally normal that a toddler who has demonstrated that they can fall asleep independently will at some points in their lives need more support and need more assistance to fall asleep but it's more because they're seeking connection. They're seeking relationship. Yeah, and I feel like you can, if you step back and actually watch like how a day progresses, what happened during the day, what is going on? I feel like that drastically changes what goes on in the evening for bedtime, what the requests were at the time. 
Um, and there was, in our life, there was a lot of things going on. We were, we had moved a couple times. We had moved her room a couple times. We had family sickness going on. And all of those things, I think, go into wanting that closeness with your parents at night. And I guess for us, the biggest thing was just realizing that that was okay. That wasn't wrong. That wasn't bad. That wasn't going to ruin her. It was okay for us to be doing, for us to be assisting her to sleep and listening to her request and listening to what she needed or wanted at the time. I know um, we gradually started doing less and she started having less requests. Like right now, um, I think that she communicated with us like what she wanted. And so we had a rocking chair in there and she wanted to sleep with her door open. And so those were the two things that we really did. We either rocked with her um, or laid with her and the door always remained open. When I got pregnant, I got to a place where I could no longer rock with her. I couldn't lay down in bed. She has a floor bed. And so for me to lay down with her and then get up was such a struggle and it would hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could no longer rock her to sleep and mm, pick her up and put her in her bed. So at that time when things are no longer working and they, we couldn't do it, um, we were able to communicate that with her and work out other solutions gradually. So for a while, my husband um, started rocking her to sleep and then he would be in charge of that and rock her and lay her down um, once she fell asleep. And then I want to say when I was about seven months pregnant, she got to the point where she kind of started consistently asking for us to rock in there, but have her lay in the bed. Um, And it was almost never a night where she asked us to lay with her or for us to rock her to sleep. Um, Or if she wanted me specifically, like I had to set that boundary, like, hey, like I would love to come into your room, but I cannot physically rock you to sleep because it hurts mom's body or I cannot physically like lay down with you. But what I can do is I can sit in this rocking chair while you lay in bed. And that transition actually went pretty well. And then once our son was born a couple months ago, um, we had talked before like, hey, like we're going to be pulling the rocking chair out of your room because I need it in my room for your baby brother and having him at night. Um, I really like nursing in a rocking chair. And so I knew that that was going to be something that I would want and I wouldn't want the rocking chair in her room. And I know for probably from when I was um, nine months pregnant for that last like month, we talked about it a lot and talked about that, hey, like the rocking chair is going to come out of here. Like we can still like sit in here on the floor or sit in here in your bed, but the rocking chair is going to be gone. And um, for, for that month, I feel like she would verbalize like she didn't want it to go. She wanted us to still be able to rock in there. Um, And then once her baby brother came, um, at a couple weeks, we moved the rocking chair and just kind of shifted to um, sitting 
in there on the floor. Once I had the baby, I felt like my body was like crazy different and I was no longer in pain, like toward the end of pregnancy, you're in so much pain and then you have the child and then it's like, whoa, I'm not in any pain at all. So being able to just sit on the floor um, and I wanna say the first couple nights, she really struggled with not having the rocking chair in there. She was like, I want the rocking chair. I want you guys to be able to sit in here and rock. And uh, but at that time, we were just holding that the rocking chair needed to be in our room and we could do other things. And then um, about a month ago, we pulled, um, we just started putting a chair out in front of her door and leaving her door open and then sitting in the chair in front of her door. So we were kind of like out of the room um, and she was in her bed and we were able to just sit there and still be right there with her. And now we're to the point where she will go, once we tuck her into bed, she might come out of bed a couple times, but we just tuck her back in and she has stopped requesting us to be near the room or in the room with, with the exception of like a couple of occasions where I feel like things have been more stressful or like her dad was gone all day um, and had only been home for a little bit. And then she was like, dad, like, can you sit outside the door? Um, and so now she sleeps with her door wide open and she sleeps in a floor bed and she does have the ability to come out. I feel like when I was a kid, once I got put in the room at night, I was like, that's it. Like, I can't come out of my room. My door is closed. Like mm -hmm. I can't, I'm going to get in trouble. Um, like so this I, fear. Yeah. And that was something like I really didn't want for my daughter. And I know we've definitely gone through ups and downs where we've been really frustrated by that. Like she's come out of her room like 10 times and like, mom, like, can I have water? Can I come? Can I have a hug? Can I do this? Can I do that? And then like walking her back to her room and laying her back down again or laying with her for a little bit or like, and then her wanting to like go out and get her dad or go out and see her brother. And so like being able to deal with, I feel like those things for myself because like, again, like this whole idea of that's not how it's supposed to be. Like I'm supposed to get my evenings free and they're supposed to stay in their room and not bother me type of thing. Um, and trying to, like, I'm still in the process of like still retraining myself. Like this is okay. Like her asking for my help is okay. Her not living in fear, like that is the biggest thing that I want to change with my parenting is that I don't want my daughter to live in fear of me or my husband. And I don't want our parenting style to instill that in her in any way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love your story because I mean, for so many reasons, the first is that I feel like it's such a great depiction of changing your mind doing something that doesn't feel right to you. You know, you're open about the fact that you tried sleep training. I'm open about that too. I sleep, I tried sleep training my daughter and stopped because it didn't feel right. And so I love that you, you know, I think there's so much power and it takes so much courage to make decisions as a parent and then learn more or listen to what your intuition is telling you, what your gut is telling you and go back and say, you know what, hold on, this doesn't feel right. I don't want to do this anymore and stop. You know, I think a lot of parents think, okay, well, 
we started, we need to just go through with it now. Like there's no going back, but there is, there's always going back as a parent. If you are ever making a decision that feels wrong to you, you can always change your mind and stop doing it. It doesn't matter how old your child is. And if anything, that's something that our children need to see. They need to see us making mistakes or doing things that we don't feel good about and then changing that. They need to see that there's so much power there. Um, Right. And then I also love how you talked about kind of this balance because initially when you stopped sleep training, you were really listening to all of her requests. And um, it seems like you were really supporting her to sleep in whatever ways that she asked for. But then when you needed a change, when that wasn't working for you anymore, you set boundaries and you shifted patterns while still being responsive. So that's the piece that I think so many people don't understand is that it doesn't have to be all one way or all the other. It doesn't have to be all like giving into all of your child's demands for sleep, no matter what versus sleep training and just leaving them alone in their room. There's a middle Mm -hmm. point where you can still be responsive, still listen to your child, collaborate with your child, meet their needs, but you can still set boundaries and say, this way really isn't working for me. I need to respond to you in this way instead. And I think that's such an important thing to be aware of. And that's what I help families with. I help families to shift those patterns that are no longer working for them. So I'm so curious. So she sleeps pretty well now. She's four, right? Yeah. And you have a two-month-old now. How are you doing things differently? Or how, how did that experience guide or shape your sleep journey with your newest little one? Yeah, so I was... Definitely nervous adding another child. Like my daughter has always been um, very much dependent on us and wants to be around us and near us. And has also, I've noticed she tends to um, struggle with change. And especially when it comes to, I see it in two main parts of her life. I see it in sleep. And I see it with using the bathroom. And I remember um, when I was teaching, like those, there was three things that we would always tell parents, like your kid is going to control their sleep, what they can or can't eat. And if they use the bathroom, these are three things that they can take back control of. um, And when times are changing or struggling, then those are gonna be the times that they, put up, that's going to be the time that they really lean into what they want to do because they've lost control in other areas. So they're going to try to control and whether it's like, I also don't think it's a thought out plan. I don't think it's like, I feel like sometimes our people are like, oh, like our kids are like manipulating or like they're doing this, but my daughter's like response to change is that it is exactly what it is. It's a response. It's not her manipulating us because of the change or um, anything like that. And so she sleeps really well and, but she usually still wakes up about once or twice a night, but she either like gets up, goes to the bathroom and puts herself back to sleep. Or she, um, if she says something like, we'll just put her right back in bed and she falls asleep instantly. Like we haven't had um, her wake up and then like not go back to sleep or even need assistance from us to go back to sleep just to be tucked back in. So I guess that is, that would be on our part. And then she would just go back to sleep. So adding a second one made me really nervous for her sleep and then balancing the two of them. 
um, the biggest difference right from the beginning was that we had a home birth with our second one and it was amazing. Like everything went perfect. Like I can't even believe how perfect our home birth was. Like, obviously I tell people like childbirth hurt, it's painful, but it was my ideal birth and there's nothing that I would go back and change from that. And so immediately we had um, him in our bed, our midwives, like, you know, the first, the first night he's with us, he's just sleeping right on my chest, no comment from our midwife, mm -hmm. no comment from anyone else. Like that's just what we did. And, um, and my daughter, her transition to it went far beyond anything I could imagine. Um, I feel like before he was born, she was requesting a lot of assistance from me. Like if she woke up in the middle of the night, she would only want me to lay her back down. And since he came, like she has been willing to have her dad go in there and lay her back down if like I'm breastfeeding him or if we are sleeping together. So right now he's sleeping about... 50% in the bassinet, like right next to the bed, he'll usually sleep of his first um, sleep after he nurses and goes to sleep, he'll sleep about three to four hours in the bassinet and then will come in the bed and out of the bed with me throughout the night um, breastfeeding. And I, I love it. Like I haven't had, <laughs> I haven't had any regrets about anything that we're doing or have wanted to change or needed to change anything at this point. I feel like it's so funny to me when people are like, is he sleeping? Like, I think I've seen you post like, is, are they sleeping well in between feedings? Mm. Or I'm like, no, he doesn't. I mean like, yes, he sleeps great. He sleeps and then he eats and then he goes back to sleep and then he eats and then goes back to sleep and he's not up at all in the middle of the night. Um, and for mm. me personally, I feel like having that broken sleep, it doesn't wear on me because like, especially when like I'm more tired, like he, can I just will breastfeed him in the sea or like in a sea curl and just go right back to sleep with him um, while he nurses. And so I haven't had any exhaustion or anything like that that would make me want to change like what we're doing. And I don't know what we're gonna do moving forward with him. Like I, we still have, I feel like we still have time when we want to transition him out of the bassinet as well. But right now, like this is working so well for us. I love that. Thank you for sharing. I also agree. I had a home birth the second time around too. And it was such a different experience, just like bed sharing from the get-go. I mean, I had a totally different experience than you with my second, because he was actually even a worse sleeper than my daughter, because he had tongue and lip ties that we didn't catch until six weeks. And then he just had a very long recovery process. So like, I couldn't nurse him sideline. He was very wakeful, but I love the way, you know, I love your story because it just goes to show that you know, again, you can decide to do something and then change your mind, but also that you don't have to sleep train to get sleep. It's just not something that's a lie. That's a lie that the sleep industry sells you. If you're like someone who is like me, who my baby was literally was not sleeping well at all, nothing, no amount of sleep training would have changed that. 
Mm-hmm. There was a reason he wasn't sleeping and he needed my comfort and my closeness to support him through that and to get him the help that he needed. And you have a baby who sleeps very well and you bed share and you don't sleep train and you're responsive to him and you feed him at night. And I just, I love that. And now you have a four-year-old who also sleeps very well and you're satisfied with the way it is. And you didn't have to do any long-term sleep training. Like you didn't complete the sleep training. So I just love that because I really think that more parents want to, and need to hear these stories of families of parents who didn't use sleep training and still are getting sleep because there's this lie again, another lie that the sleep industry sells that if you don't sleep train, you'll never sleep or your child will never, never learn how to sleep. And that's just not true. It's not something that we teach them. We don't teach sleep. Um, but yeah, I see your little one is awake and he's so cute. Um, but I'm sure you need to go. So again, thank you, Trisha, so much for joining us and for sharing your story. I really think it will be encouraging to a lot of listeners. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.